Hello, everyone. My name is Mary Elizabeth Castle. I'm the policy advisor at Texas Values, and welcome to the Texas Values Weekly Report. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a lot to talk about, but we're really excited to have with us a very special guest, Senator Brian Hughes. Senator Hughes, how are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. How about you? Doing okay. Just trying to catch my breath just a little after this very uh, challenging session. You know, every session, I think, is just really unique because here in Texas, as all of you know on our uh, listener guide, that we have a packed five-month schedule every two years, and it's a lot to get a lot of legislation passed. Some legislation we try to keep from going through, but it's a lot for the senators. It's a lot for the activists, and we just appreciate, you know, Senator Hughes' uh, support during this legislative session, and, uh, you know, we'll just be happy, and I hope you've gotten a little bit of a break as well, but we know that there's going to be some talk of maybe a special session, but we're glad that you could come on our show today. Well, thank you for having me. We stuck around in Austin for a day or two for some bill signings. The governor was signing some great bills to defend the police, and uh, one of our bills wanted to be there for that and some meetings, but I got back to East Texas uh, night before last, so it's good to be home, but, but you're right. We're getting ready to go back whenever the governor calls us. When don't know exactly when that's going to be, but I bet it's going to be sooner rather than later. Well, that'll definitely be interesting. So, Senator Hughes, you know, I feel like you had a really interesting session. You know, this was a session where you served as chairman of the Senate State Affairs Committee. And I just want you to talk a little bit about that experience. You know, it's such an important role. And I think our listeners would really want to know, you know, what was your experience serving as chairman of that very important committee? Thank you for mentioning that. You know, that committee on the Senate side, State Affairs, is where so many of those matters that conservatives care about, where so many of those bills go. Things like religious freedom, uh, how we conduct our elections, uh, pro-life bills, protecting innocent human life. Those bills come to that committee. Our Second Amendment rights, uh, so many areas that affect us and so many areas that have drawn people into politics. It was the pro-life matters that first got me involved, and I know many of your supporters are the same way, and of course, there's a lot of important important things that come before the legislature, and they all matter, but that State Affairs Committee uh, is where a lot of the, uh, those, those uh, conservative, some people call them red meat items, they're just important items that affect lives, and so getting to chair that committee was a real big deal for me, and uh, good committee, good members of that committee, and so uh, bills that were important to Texas, important to Texas voters came to that committee and we got hearings and got to move through. And so it was funny. I mean, sometimes the hearings go pretty long, you know, many times there are dozens or more witnesses. And as you know, in Texas, if anybody shows up to testify, we let them testify. We don't, uh, it's not like in Congress where there's just a few witnesses in the Texas legislature, everybody gets to testify who wants to, whether they're for us or against us. And so it's an important process. Sometimes people get pretty aggressive, but that's okay. We don't mind free speech. Right. I've been in several of those hearings and one hearing that we'll talk about a little bit later, the heartbeat hearing, you know, that was one that went until midnight. Um, And so you had hundreds of people coming to testify and it was, you know, mostly positive, but, you know, sometimes you can get positive and negative and people with all different types of testimonies, factual, emotional, you know, expert, activists, or just, you know, 
your average person, um, which, you know, is valuable in the process too, to hear from everyday Texans on these issues, I'm sure. Um, so you talked a little bit about some of the bills that go through state affairs. You know, what is the significance of having a bill go through the state affairs committee? So bills that go through that committee have been uh, thoroughly vetted. That's a, uh, <clears throat> if you look at the volume of bills, you know, when a bill gets filed, it's got to go to some committee. And so state affairs tends to be the busiest one, one or the number one or number two in terms of the number of bills that go through it. And so a lot of bills get sent to state affairs and there are so many bills that get sent there that there is physically not enough time for every bill to get a hearing. So the bills that we do give hearings to are the ones that have support, members of the committee and members of the Senate. Occasionally a bill will get a hearing in state affairs and then the votes won't be there to vote the bill out. But normally if, if we uh, give a hearing to a bill, that means there's support there. It's been vetted. And of course, as you said, those hearings do make a difference. We hear from, as you say, activists. You've testified many times as an attorney, as an activist. We hear other expert testimony. And as you say, everyday Texans show up and testify. And one of the neat things about this process is the bills change because of what we hear in committee. We really listen. It's kind of neat. Uh, in some places, committee hearings are just to get sound bites or just stuff to put on, on TV or social media. But here in Texas, we listen and we get ideas from real people. And so legislation changes as it goes through the process. So it, it, the system works. We're thankful for the system. It works well. Well, that's definitely good to hear. You know, I think a lot of people, uh, even people who are supporters come to me and say, you know, does it really matter if I come and speak at the Capitol? But I mean, that's very encouraging to hear that, you know, a bill can change if you have a suggestion or if you have a real life story or if you're an expert who's done research that it really can have an impact. That's exactly right. It's pretty neat. It's how the system is supposed to work and it still works in Texas. That's very good. Now let's talk a little bit about your pro-life efforts this session. You actually started really early on, you know, pro-life legislation, um, which is really admirable. Um, actually, before the session began, uh, you as chairman of state affairs actually held an interim hearing on the heartbeat bill. And that's a good example of how people can come and testify and give advice on what the bill should look like. Um, so I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, your background, first of all, in the pro-life movement and how you got involved with pro-life efforts. Thank you for asking about that. As a uh, college student, I got involved in uh, volunteering on campaigns uh, for pro-life candidates. When I, uh, uh, you know, in high school began to be interested in politics and history and government. And when we learned about, uh, about the pro-life question, learned about the little baby in her mother's womb and how that little baby's life can be taken in, in a, a violent way. When I realized what was going on, I was really motivated to do something. And so that's really uh, part of what drove me, uh, drove my activism. And so as a college student, I volunteered on campaigns and started showing up at meetings and, you know, went to my first Republican state convention. I was in 1990. Hard to believe. I know that was a long time ago. And uh, 1990, the, the, the uh, Republican state convention had been pretty well uh had pretty well become a big majority pro-life convention. And so uh, many of these issues were at the fore. And, and, you know, even back then, even back in those days, we had the big debate about, about what approach we should take. I remember as a, as a starry-eyed college student looking at all these issues, I remember in 1990, there was a big debate on what we should do. Should we say 
we're going to ignore Roe, overturn Roe, ban every abortion today, no questions asked, no compromise, go down in flames if that doesn't work, or, or do we look at the legislative agenda? Back then, we were looking forward to things like a 24-hour waiting period for abortions or uh, parental consent, things like that. And, 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 you know, and so there was a big debate. And at the time I was with those go for broke people. Nah, forget about that. Forget about that waiting period. Let's just, let's just get it over with. And I've finally learned in the pro-life movement that we can do both, right? We can work, we can work to protect every innocent human life from natural, from conception all the way to natural death. And that can be our goal. We can fight hard for it while we're doing that. We can also save lives with things like, like the waiting period, like giving mothers information about the little unborn child, like parental notification, uh, like the heartbeat bill. So we realize we can do both, right? We can fight to end abortion in one swift blow while we're doing that. We can be passing bills that will save lives. There's no question that the pro-life bills passed in Texas over the last 20 years have saved lives. You've seen the numbers. You're in the middle of the fight. You know this. While the abortion rate is going down in America, so is the literal number of abortions. And in Texas, those numbers are going down faster than in the rest of the country. Because when we give women good information, we tell that mother about the unborn child growing inside her and tell her about that little baby's development. That woman, that mother needs to know that before she makes a big decision like that. And so uh, things like that, recognizing uh, that we passed the Prenatal Protection Act that says, uh, if a drunk driver runs over a pregnant woman and kills her and kills the unborn child, there are two victims, not just one. And so uh, bills like that. So yeah, I got involved early on as a student. That's what got me in politics. I began to volunteer on campaigns and work on pro-life stuff. And so like so many uh, voters in Texas, Republican and Democrat, it was the pro-life issue that really got me involved as a young man. That's good. That's very interesting to hear just, you know, your background in this issue. And it's always good to have, you know, senators and representatives who have a personal touch, you know, to this issue and really can talk about their growth and how they advocate, you know, for life. So that's very encouraging to hear. Now, the bill this session that was the really big pro-life bill was the heartbeat bill. And I remember seeing you this past Saturday at a heartbeat bill celebration hosted by Students for Life. And you gave really good words there at that, you know, pep rally. And, you know, why the heartbeat bill and what makes this heartbeat bill unique? Oh, I'm so glad. And I know that you and Texas Values and your team have been working on this for a long time. You're, you've been laboring and, and also seeing real fruit along the way. So we're all excited about this bill. And so, you know, if you, if you put, your, put your hand up there somewhere, you can probably find a pulse. I know you can, you're obviously alive and, and uh, there's a heartbeat, right? Because that, that heartbeat means you're alive. That's the sign of life. And it's uh, science tells us that, our hearts tell us that, our earliest memories of our mother's heartbeat, right? Uh, or maybe you have that loved one in the hospital uh, and they've got a, a challenging health situation. And think about that heart monitor, that's the sign of life. And so it just makes sense that we protect little baby when there's a heartbeat. So the heartbeat bill, as you know, about 12 states have passed heartbeat laws, and we're glad of that. This Texas Heartbeat Act is different. Uh, it builds on what we learned from other states, also what we learned from the Supreme Court, uh, the, the opinions they've issued, the guidance that they've given us. And we believe the Texas Heartbeat Act will take effect immediately. When September 1st rolls around, it will take effect we believe it will save more lives. It'll take effect more quickly 
and is going to be uh, is going to have a better chance of getting upheld. We'd like to see this uh, bill be the one that goes to the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. But uh, it's a strong bill, and it builds on what other states have done, and it builds on our experience from passing pro-life laws in Texas for all these years, and also reading uh, Supreme Court opinions, Fifth Circuit opinions, uh, other state courts, Texas state courts. We believe this is the strongest pro-life bill that we've passed in Texas, so we're very excited about it in that it's going to save lives. That's really that's what the bill's about. Yeah, and it's really exciting to have a heartbeat bill that we feel is very ironclad, you know, so it can actually, you know, save lives. And so we're really excited about your work on this. And we're just really, you know, grateful and, you know, glad we could get this victory here at Texas Values to have the heartbeat bill passed. We know that last session it had, you know, a number of, you know, quiet support, but it was just great to see, you know, you and Representative Shelby Slauson actually get it across the finish line. And so we're just really grateful for your work on that. Representative Slauson is really impressive. As you know, she has her own personal pro-life story. Uh, she's so smart, a very accomplished attorney uh, like you, knows the law, a sharp lawyer like you. Again, that own, her own pro-life story. Uh, she communicates so well, connects with people so well, and she was the perfect, the perfect carrier for that bill uh, in the House. Sure, sure was a joy working with her on that bill. That's great. Well, now that we have the heartbeat bill, uh, you know, what is next on the pro-life frontier? You know, this seems like, you know, this was kind of the big bang, uh, but what else, you know, do we need to think about, you know, advancing pro-life in our state and even in our culture? You bet. And you're right about the state and the culture. One of the encouraging things about this is on the pro-life issue, because there's so much information out there. A lot of the polling indicates to us that the younger you are in America, the more likely you are to be pro-life. We just have to keep getting the word out. And, you know, as technology allows us to see into the womb, see that little unborn baby growing inside her mother's womb and see her development. Now that we can see that, and also now that medical technologies tells us that we can uh, a little baby can live outside the womb at a much younger and younger age. It's causing America, it's causing us all to face that the obvious fact that that is an unborn child growing inside her mother's womb. Clear and simple, no, no question about that. And so if that's a human life, that human life is worthy of protection. And so uh, we just need to keep sharing that message. It's also important that we do as we have in Texas and come alongside those mothers and help them and encourage them. Many times mothers who are abortion minded or considering abortion, don't have all the facts. They're scared. Many times they've been lied to. They, ha they haven't been told what their options really are. And so uh, the work of our crisis pregnancy centers, as you know, all across Texas and America, but we focus on the ones in Texas uh, where they encourage and help women going through this process. And many times we're accused by the left of of being pro-birth. You've heard that. They say, well, you're not really pro-life. You're just pro-birth. You don't care about them after they're born. But of course, that's not the case. We care about those mothers, those little babies. And that's why these crisis pregnancy centers also uh, provide parenting classes, baby formula, diapers, clothing, support for those moms after the babies come along. Whether the mom chooses to keep the child and, and raise the child herself or uh, put it up for adoption, uh, whatever those options are, we have resources to help, and we need to do more. As you know, Texas, through the Alternatives to Abortion program, for about 10 years now, we've been taking federal and state money 
and providing help to expectant mothers through crisis pregnancy centers. And we've been increasing that funding every legislative session. We got to keep doing that. We want to help those moms and encourage them. We want to protect the unborn child while we're loving and supporting the mothers. And you know, we can do both. Those are not competing ends. I know, I know you're for that. Texas Values has fought for these things for a long time. So we're excited about that. Uh, as you know, there's that Mississippi lawsuit, Mississippi abortion law that I think it's, it's basically a 15 week ban. You know, Texas passed the uh, 20 week ban that says at five months, when we know the baby can feel pain after five months, the little baby's going to be protected. And that is, that's the law. It's not been challenged even in the courts. So now this Mississippi case, the Supreme Court will hear is basically a, I think it's about a 15 week uh, protection, if I read it correctly. We'll see what the Supreme Court does with that, but we are anxious to see what they do with the Texas Heartbeat Act. Uh, it's appropriate. It's based on the law. It's based on science. So we're optimistic uh, that a day will come soon when the Supreme Court will recognize that states should be the ones regulating this issue, that we shouldn't have this horrible precedent of Roe versus Wade. You know, I'm sure you've read Roe versus Wade. You read it in law school. And even people who like the ruling, even people who are for abortion, most of them will admit that the opinion is not well-reasoned, not well-written, not well-researched. Uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. And it's based on a poor understanding of 1973 science. Science has changed. We've learned so much since then. So Roe versus Wade legally and certainly morally uh, does, is without foundation. And legally and culturally, it's on its last leg. And so uh, it's time we want, to, we want to see that opinion go away and see the states given the authority to protect innocent human life. And so, as you know, when that happens, it'll be a state by state battle like it was in the days before Roe versus Wade, where some states had more uh, strict abortion laws, more lax abortion laws than others. And so uh, we believe that day will be coming. Uh, but until then, uh, and, uh, through that time, we want to keep doing our part in Texas, right? And protect little unborn babies while we love and support those mothers. So there's still, there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, that's great. And we appreciate all your work on pro-life, but you know, there was a lot on religious liberty as well that really went through Senate state affairs. So, you know, I think it was really important this session to protect religious liberty because we saw an unprecedented attack on uh, whether or not churches can actually meet, which is kind of a basic right that, you know, we just see, um, you know, in our constitution, um, something that's never really been attacked really before. And so I just, you know, want you to touch a little on how important it was to really see these freedom to worship bills, these constitutional amendments, and even statutes uh, get across the finish line to protect us from any future government closure. Mary Elizabeth, you are so right. I mean, none of us would even consider that the government would, government would tell a church, you cannot meet, you cannot gather. That's crazy. This is America. Uh, religious freedom, that, that most basic fundamental religious freedom to gather, to worship. Uh, wow. To, to think that would ever be in question was a, such a blow. And as you know, in many states, it was much more aggressive. You saw what happened in California and some of those battles still going on. But even in Texas, you know, we had some cities trying to shut down churches. So it was really important that we say as a state, the people of Texas acting through the legislature say, churches are always essential. Churches don't get closed down. That First Amendment is the First Amendment for a reason. As you know, 
your organization's built on those First Amendment rights of religious freedom and speech and and uh, expression and and and, uh, and gathering and assembly and, and petition for redress. And so uh, those rights are fundamental. So yes, we're looking forward to the, putting a constitutional amendment before the voters. We think the voters are going to agree about how important that is. And we recognize that emergencies happen. And there are situations when the government does need to take action on, uh, on, uh, in a sh on a short-term basis uh, to protect from emergencies, but it's never okay to tell a church, to tell a religious organization, you cannot meet. That's not okay. That's in, that can never be allowed in Texas again. Right. So we appreciate, you know, your work as chairman to really put that into place, that we have that in law. And you know, there were other legislative priorities. And like we mentioned earlier, there might even be a special session. You know, there was, you know, the voting uh, issue and the voting bill. And I know that you and others worked really hard on that. And, you know, but it doesn't seem like it's quite over. Uh, you know, there might be a special session. And so, you know, I had, you know, Representative uh, Briscoe Kane on the show not too long ago, and we kind of went through some things about like some rumors that people like to say about this bill and whether or not they're true and whether or not those provisions are actually in the bill. So if you could just real briefly just talk about, you know, why we need this bill and, you know, why it really just protects the freedom to vote for everyone. Mary Elizabeth, I'm glad you asked about that because sadly the national media is pushing a narrative and the White House is helping him. And I hate to be, hate to be ugly, but it's just false. They are saying things that are not true. This bill, Senate Bill 7, which we'll be seeing again in a special session. As you say, the governor said he will call us back for election integrity and other matters. This bill is really about making it easy to vote and hard to cheat. And so it says when you vote on an electronic voting system, which many, most Texans do now, it says there's got to be a paper backup. There's got to be a paper record. So if we have to do a recount, we can we can do that. We can know how we can know if we got the numbers right. That's broad support for that. It's bipartisan, Republican, Democrat. Also, what about the provision that says if you're if you're waiting in line, if you're in line when the polls close, they have to let you vote, no matter how long it takes. That's been the law for election day, but it's not been the law for early voting. And as you know, more people vote early than vote on election day. And so Senate Bill 7 says even for early voting, if you're in line and the polls are closing, you get to vote. No matter how long it takes, you get to vote. Also making sure those machines are working correctly, auditing those machines, making sure they're working right, making sure there's no uh, internet connection where those machines can be hacked into, measuring the keystrokes on those voting machines uh, where, the machine, where the votes are tabulated. Also, how about cameras in central county, right? Not where voters are doing their voting, but where the votes are taken from the precinct to central county, a live stream camera so that people can see exactly what's going on. This protects everyone, Republicans and Democrats, common sense measures like that. We also saw that uh, over the years, there's invariably cheating in Texas elections. And as you know, our legislature meets every two years. And so in the interim, we take testimony. You talked about witnesses who come and testify. Witnesses came and testified and told us about cheating that's going on in Texas elections, not so much by individual voters, but by ballot harvesters and by unscrupulous election workers. Most of our election workers are hardworking, dedicated people following the law. They are human, and some of them are tempted to cheat. There's evidence that cheating does take place. And so 
Senate Bill 7 has some reforms in place so that the voters aren't having their votes stolen by ballot harvesters, by unscrupulous election workers, or anybody else. And so that's important, that people follow the law. And so that's really what the bill's about. Uh, there's been a lot of distractions, a lot of talk about other states and what they do. But in Texas, this bill is about standardizing the procedures for early voting, giving people plenty of time to vote during, during hours when we can have poll workers there and have poll watchers there, and also making sure that folks are getting to cast their own private ballot and not being influenced or coerced by someone else. Every element in this bill uh, is there for a reason, and uh, it's about making it easy to vote and hard to cheat. We want elections to be honest and secure and accessible, and that's what this bill does. And so we'll be back in a special session. We look forward to having a debate on these issues, and whenever we get to talk about what's really in the bill, people say, really, that's it? I thought, I thought, I thought there was more to it than that. When they find out these basic common sense elements, they're surprised because they've heard all this boogeyman stuff from the national media or from the White House or Democratic National Committee talking points. But this bill is not about Georgia or anybody else. This is about Texas elections and making sure they work fair and they work fairly and smoothly for everyone across the board. It's a good bill and uh, we're gonna have a good, strong bill in the special session. Well, I appreciate you clarifying that because you do hear a lot of different stories around uh, even Texas media, not even just the national media. And, you know, if that were really true of the bill, then of course people would be alarmed. But, you know, it's so important, you know, to sometimes read the actual legislation. And, you know, even though it might take different variants of degrees of education, you know, we are really good at making those things accessible, you know, on the website, uh, Texas Legislature Online, where people can read legislation and they can come to hearings and learn more. So it's always important, you know, uh, as a citizen to, you know, actually find out the facts and, you know, educate yourself. Well, Senator Hughes, we thank you so much for coming, but we also look forward to seeing you in Houston on, I think it's June 21st. And, you know, if you enjoy listening to Senator Hughes today, be sure to come to that event. Uh, he'll be there, you know, to speak, but also you'll get to see him in person and actually be able to talk to him and ask him more questions. But we thank you so much for being on our show today. And we really hope that you can get some rest before we rev up again. I hope you'll get to as well. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks down in Houston. Thank you so much. All right. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you.